This is the Cleveland Guardians Fancast with your host, Quincy Wheeler, a podcast about the Cleveland Guardians and their fans. Welcome to the Cleveland Guardians Fancast. I'm your host, Quincy Wheeler. You can find us at Guardian Fancast on Twitter. You can email me at Quincy at GuardiansFancast.com. I am in the middle right now of watching the Guardians kind of slow down to a uh, loss against the Astros currently. So barring a miraculous finish, they will lose to the Astros here in the top of the ninth as there are two outs and one guy is on. Fran Reyes took a walk, so that's a good thing. Um, but I believe that's going to be about it, and they'll end up with a 7-3 loss against Houston. Bigger things going on in the world as we hear about a tragic school shooting in the San Antonio area. Um, I mean, we just have to do something. I'm not telling you what we have to do, but uh, just can't have children getting killed at school. Children getting killed, period, is bad enough. Children getting killed at school is unthinkable, unimaginable, and it has to stop. It has to stop. So I I can't tell you exactly what has to happen, and uh, I'm excited to hear somebody somewhere come up with possible solutions and things that can help us go in the right direction and I will absolutely vote, put my money behind it, go and protest, do whatever I can to help make a change because this is not the world I want my kids to grow up in. So with that said, I just wanted to turn our attention to sports again and sports just a way for us to kind of escape the dark realities of our lives. But let's not use sports as a diversion. Let's keep track of what we need to be doing to help make the world a better place and not let sports get in the way of that. Let's let sports help us keep mentally stable and healthy and strong enough to do the right things that we need to do to make the world a better place. The... Guardians kind of brought me to some realizations in this game. Zach Plesak, uh, I want to move him to the bullpen. I want to see somebody else get the shot as a fifth starter, whether it's Eli Morgan or Connor Pilkington or Peyton Battenfield. Somebody else needs to get that shot. There's just nothing that I see in his peripherals that indicate to me that he's going to turn it around. And his stuff should play up in the bullpen. So that's what I would want to do with him, and I hope that the team considers that. I'm also ready to see what Alex Call can do. Alex Call, uh, outfielder in Columbus, he can play some center field, so he's a decent outfielder. He's projected for a WRC Plus of 113 in the majors. He's got an 18% walk rate and a... 18% strikeout rate and a 14% walk rate, which is a lot better than Oscar Gonzalez offers. Doesn't offer the slug that Oscar does, but he's got some ability to hit 
and some raw power. So I just like to see what Call can offer, see if he can be a right-handed bench bat. So I'd like to see the team get Call up here and move on from Mercado. I don't really foresee that happening right now, maybe at some point during the season. But that's what I'd like to see. I've seen enough from Mercado. I've seen enough from Ernie Clement to know that he's fine to have a spot start for somebody, but he's not a corner outfielder. We need to get guys playing corner outfield who can actually smoke the ball and put it somewhere, which we're real short on at the moment. So that's that's those things are going on in my mind. Um, Eli Morgan being brought into this game in the bottom of the eighth after the team was down by four runs is just inexcusable. He's been pitching very well. His stuff plays up in the bullpen. He needs to be considered a high-leverage reliever, but you can expect that if the Guardians manage to have a lead in tomorrow's game, you'll see Brian Shaw brought out before Eli Morgan because Tito needs to get his head out of his butt and realize that Eli Morgan is a better pitcher than Brian Shaw. And so is Sam Hinches. So is Anthony Ghost. So is Trevor Steffen. So is Nick Sandlin, even with his control issues. And obviously he knows Emmanuel Classe is better. So with that said, hey, Jose had a great game as always. Had a 12-pitch at bat and slammed a homer in the first inning. Hit a double. He's just amazing. He (laughs) gives us a reason to smile every day. Thank God the Dolans re-signed him. Thank God that he's ours. It makes us feel a little bit better on a dark day like today. Another thing that makes me feel good is talking to you, talking to the fans. So today I want to present to you a really good interview that I had with Greg. Uh, I think Greg and I share some similar kind of experiences as Guardians fans, and we had a really good conversation. So I hope, as it does for me, that it kind of lightens your day a little bit as you think about this beautiful game of baseball And as you desire to make the world a better place where people can enjoy a game like this without being afraid for their lives, where people can raise their kids to enjoy a game like this without being afraid for their lives. And Greg will help us remember some of the great things about baseball and that we can hold on to. Hey, it's Quincy and I'm here with Greg and we're here to talk some Cleveland baseball. How are you doing today, Greg? Great. Even better after after managing to get the split yesterday. So yeah, yeah. Of course, by the time uh, I'm I'm releasing these on a schedule, so it's important to kind of set people up. Greg and I are talking right after the San Diego Padres split that we had in Cleveland, an exciting walk off win from Stephen Kwan yesterday. So feeling good today. Uh, Tell me, how did you become a Cleveland baseball fan, Greg? How that start for you? (laughs) Well. Well, um, uh, I'll be 42 in a few months, uh, just for, uh, um, just context. My, my father, uh, actually was, um, you know, he was, he was a Cleveland fan and he, um, you know, he started, he started in, you know, in the early to mid sixties. So, um, and, and the funny thing is my name, um, I guess I was destined to be a baseball fan. Uh, as well as a Cleveland fan, because I'm named after Greg Nettles, G-R-A-I-G. It's spelled kind of weird. So, so I always get called Craig. And all of us were born kind of in the late 70s and early 80s, you know, just kind of in his prime. It's one of those things. So uh, I apparently, according to my father, he took me to my first game when I was two years old and they blew a lead in the ninth as, as was, uh, as was uh, the, custom for uh, the Cleveland teams of my youth which 
lost a hundred games three times in seven years. So um, that was actually when I started following them. Um, my first memories of the team were around, oh gosh, 85, 86, I want to say. Um, uh, and uh, my, my, it really kind of exploded around uh, 87 ish. That was the, that was the first game. Cause I can remember going to games before then, but that was the first game I remember watching intently as a huge baseball fan from start to finish, Tom Candiotti threw a one hitter, had a no hitter going through seven innings and we won two to nothing over the Yankees. So um, that was, that was where it all started. Um, you know, that was, I was, I was hooked on baseball at that point. My, um, and I was, it was strange because we rooted for this terrible team <laughs> generally uh but it's like you know they're you know we're playing in this sort of old lovely old dump of a stadium with eighty thousand <laughs> empty seats and you know but we didn't care it was it was just one of those things where we'd go to a few games a year we didn't live in cleveland as far as northeast ohio area we lived all over ohio we lived in eastern ohio northern ohio southern ohio i mean every so we would make the trip up a few times a year and and um you know, that's, that's where it started. And obviously we had, um, you know, much better years during my teen years that were pretty unforgettable. So uh, that's where it all started. That sounds good. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, it's interesting. I am 38. I came to uh, become a baseball fan a little bit later than some people. I was probably around 12 or 13 when I started yeah. to really follow them. So it's kind of interesting to hear from somebody who came in a little bit earlier on that. So you saw that the tail end of <laughs> yeah. that being pretty terrible <laughs> until yeah, you know, the past. Major League, Major League was funny. My dad and I used to watch Major League in my preteen years, and we would, and we would just comment to each other, ah, yes, only in the movies, you know, <laughs> like like this is never this, something like this is never never going to happen uh, <laughs> to our team, you know, so. And then, life and then a Cleveland true. fan in general, life a Cleveland fan in general, not just not just the Guardians, right? Yes, right, right. Yeah, we we all understand that concept. Uh, yeah, and then then they started to turn things around, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I think you know sometimes when I interact with Cleveland fans, I feel like some people are kind of spoiled by the uh, by the success the team has had. And if you don't, mm-hmm. if you don't remember some of the years where they're pretty lean years, you don't really appreciate how nice it is to have a team that's consistently competitive every year, even if they're not oh, necessarily 100%. winning a World Series or yeah. failing in some playoff series. It's nice to be competitive. Yeah, it's nice to not be lousy. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, my exposure to the team was we had one winning season in in '86, and I don't even remember that season that that much necessarily you know, and we've still finished fifth in the division. And, right. you know, we lost a hundred games. My memory is a, of us losing a hundred games three different times. So it's like, you know, I remember those. I still remember those. So it's, it's your, nice to not be lousy. <laughs> your fandom was forged in the years of pain. Now, there's something yeah. to be said for that. I think. Yeah. Mm. It's funny that you mentioned Candiotti too, because I remember the very tail end of his career. Good yeah. fun knuckleballer to to follow. It's it's uh, kind of a shame we don't really have knuckleballers anymore. Maybe maybe eventually they'll come back, but not really so much anymore. But that, that would have been yeah, that would have been a good memory. To yeah, follow. yep. 
Yeah. All right. Well, so you've shared some of your favorite memories, and I don't know if if anything else comes along for you as you've kind of now they've gotten good. Any any memories from the good years as far as ones that really stand out for you? My favorite tribe memory of all time, and I mean, if you watch, you know, what is now Bally Sports, what used to be called Sports Time Ohio, they had the top twenty five. Um, progressive field moments um, a few years ago when we had the 25th anniversary and the all-star game and all that. Uh, my favorite moment of all time is um, Albert Bell hitting the grand slam off of Lee Smith. Um, it encapsulated that entire 1995 season, which, you know, if you grew up in the, you know, going to games with 8,000 people to see a, you know, 73 and 89 team at best <laughs> um that entire first few years of jacobs field with like star players and winning 100 games in a 144 game season and every single game was not every single game was either one of two things we either came back and won in a walk-off or we kicked the crap out of them 10 to 2 it was <laughs> like that every single almost every single game was like that and it was like that for like two or three years. So, you know, there, again, if you watch the video and it's on like this video called Wahoo, what a finish, they made a video of like the top 12 walk off and late inning wins. It, it happened so many times that year, they made a video of them. Um, yeah, it was from the first batter where Wayne Kirby hits a, hits a grounder that gets booted, like the crowd felt it. And it like built the entire time. And it, and like, you're like, this is going to happen. You know, you'd think that if you knew something was going to happen, that it would make it lesser. And the moment when Carlos Bayerga walked to load the bases and he turns and he pumps his fist to Albert, let's go. And the crowd starts going ballistic. It's like the crowd knew it was going to happen. And somehow when it did happen, that made it even better. It was, I get, I get, tears in my eyes every time I watch that clip because it just takes me back into that whole summer and you know I always juxtapose my favorite memories of the tribe being the summer of 1995 with October of 1997 because the 1995 playoff run was fun you know they're just there there was a limited amount of dramatics we were just simply better than Boston and Seattle and Atlanta's Atlanta's pitching staff got the got the benefit of having a 30 inch home plate instead of an 18 inch one <laughs> right so yeah. you know it was you know that and and really that year it really kind of was we were just happy to be in, in the World Series and we kind of figured well we'll be back it'll be fine and then 1997 was this is an 86 win team we've traded you know we not traded away but you know Bell and Lofton or someplace else and we were, you know, we weren't supposed to make that playoff run. So, and then we won in the most ridiculous, dramatic ways possible. Um, you know, one of the best things about Mariano Rivera being as good as he was, he didn't give up a run in the postseason for like three years. And they would always show the clip. They would be like, ah, the last time that Mariano Rivera gave up a run in the postseason, and they'd show the Alomar homer. Right. <laughs> so the and in some ways it, it encapsulated the joy of cheering for a sports team and the pain just because 
I've never been like the only time in my life as a Cleveland fan where I was absolutely sure that we are, we were going to win was game seven of the 97 series, because it was like, we've beaten Kevin Brown twice. We've won. We won on a botched squeeze play last round. We won. <laughs> we right. beat Mariano Rivera, even though people didn't necessarily think of him as Rivera back then yet, but it was like, there's no way we we've got to win this game. You know, I was decked out in my Indians gear and we were ready. We were ready. We were ready. I was ready. And then to see them lose, I, I've never been more upset over a sporting event in my entire life to this day. You know, I was 17, you know, I was 17. I was a senior in high school. I was, I mean, what the hell did I know at that point about real grief? (laughs) So it was, (laughs) It was uh, it was one of those things where like it was I look back on it fondly, but I still can't watch clips of uh, games, any clips of that game, not just the last play. But, you know, I can't I can't watch those clips. uh, I I very much share your perspective on that. Also, I was I was 14 at the time, but it was absolutely soul crushing. I mean, Mm. (laughs) I think the realization that I had at that moment was you have to get baseball in a better uh, mental place in your life because it shouldn't crush you like this. I think as a 14 year old, I was like, you know, I got to get a better mental yeah, right? of where it should be. Because right? <laughs> yeah. if they can do this to me, I shouldn't let them yeah. do this. It's funny because in 2016, you would have thought that would have crushed me. I was actually smiling at the end of the 2016 one because it was like, we weren't supposed to we made it there with half of a pitching staff, Andrew Miller and Cody Allen. <laughs> so it was, it was very much a, we weren't supposed to take this team to seven games. We weren't supposed to make it to the 10th inning. We weren't supposed to be here. So it was like, you know, I, it was, it was also a perspective of, you know, I, what a ride, <laughs> you know, yeah, I was, right. you know, I being in my mid to late, mid to mid to late thirties, it was more like a, enjoy i enjoyed the ride yeah i 100% agree i I think of 2016 very fondly and i try Mm -hmm. not to think about 1997 uh yeah so yeah very very similar there and and similar Mm -hmm. with and similar for me with 2017 yeah really like i mean that was that was harder i think to lose that series to the yankees but at the same time i know that 2017 that that was the best team in baseball it just that's we should have won that that was our year that was supposed to be our year right, right. and that's just baseball for you like that mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. happened but that was that was definitely the best team and i think about when you talk about 95 i think about 95 and 2017 those to me are the two best mm-hmm. baseball teams i've ever seen yeah felt like no matter what they were going to find a way to win and they won differently yeah. They won in different mm-hmm. fashions. Like 2017 yeah. was absolutely dominant pitching, mm-hmm. and 1995 was maybe the best offense that baseball has ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> but they were they yeah. still were like those were like teams that figured out the sport of baseball. <laughs> like, it, yeah, very rarely see a team like the '98 Yankees, for example, and yeah, even the 2018 mm-hmm. Red Sox for some reason. Guys that kind of just they just had it figured out. Um, that was the only two times really? I felt that way for the the cleveland team mm-hmm. yeah well we share a lot of similar yeah. memories here what do you think about the current team and and their future well it's interesting because um i i feel like um this is a transition year i think you know me and my um 
you know, I talk with my father about it all the time and he's, you know, we, we watch, we watch the games and, um, um, you know, we sort of talk, we sort of talk about, uh, the guardians a lot. We always have. Um, and I was telling him that this is kind of like, I felt like it was a kind of a clearing out the inventory year where like, it's kind of a transition. I mean, up until even last year, I feel like we were trying to kind of be competitive off of, you know, the, that sort of window that was open from like 2016 to like 2021. Um, you know, and after 2018, it kind of started closing a little, a little, a little by little every year. And we had all these guys in our system that, you know, we always call quadruple A players that, you know, you have your Mercados, you have your Bobby Bradleys, you have your Yu Changs. And it's kind of, we're kind of saying at the start of the year and maybe throughout the year, okay, which one of you guys from that we've had here for a while, which one of you guys can actually play? Are there any of you that can actually play who we can just keep around, uh, who we can keep? Uh, otherwise, you'll be out of, you know, a lot of these guys are running out of options or about out of options. So it's just like, okay, well, then we'll, you know, like we'll do what we just did with Bradley and Allen. We'll just DFA them. It's fine. I feel like it's a transition year. It's, it's a year where it's like we can kind of um, just see what we have with the guys that we've had a while, we can start to see what we have with, you know, like a guy like Arias or, um, you know, even, even a Palacios or Quan. Um, we can start to see what we have there, uh, really give them some good at bats and a lot of time. Um, and, you know, I kind of feel like we'll probably end up with a similar record, you know, probably somewhere around 500. Um, I'm not, ex I'm not really expecting playoffs necessarily, but that doesn't dampen my excitement about, um, seeing the younger guys and sort of, like I said, clearing the inventory. Let's, let's see what we got. And after this year, um, with the, you know, signing of, um, you know, extending of Jose Ramirez, who has in the last five years, you know, I always said that. And this was from a strictly baseball playing uh, perspective. Albert Bell was always my favorite player because, you know, it was the first time it was the first time in my life as a Cleveland fan of any Cleveland team that we'd had that kind of guy that other opponents feared. And granted, it was probably feared in more ways than one. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, the guy that would come up and you felt like he would come through. And I feel like. Um, you know, you don't, you don't know anybody personally, you know, from a Jose Ramirez standpoint, but, you know, you, you feel like he's a good person, you know, seeing, seeing that he wants to stay in Cleveland, take less money. And, and, you know, I always just loved his hustle, his, his sort of joie de vivre on the, on the diamond with the helmet off and he plays hard and he does everything well. And he, um, my favorite Jose Ramirez play is one that you don't even ever see in like highlight MLB highlight packages. It was the double that he hit 
before Jay Bruce hit the double down the line to win game 22. It was one of those plays where I saw, you know, I'm watching it happen and I'm pumping my fist like, yes, he was thinking too right out the box. Like, and he just hustled, he hustled and made it happen. So yeah, I'm Greg, I'll, excited I'll say, to see what I, I was just going to say that I, uh, no, it's go funny ahead. that you say that because I, I have talked about that play so many times. I think he even put it on my top Jose Ramirez memory. Yeah, me too. Because he was the only, he was the only person in that ballpark who thought he could take two. I, I don't think mm -hmm. any, you know yeah. anybody, nobody yeah. else was even, it was, it was clearly, I always tell people it was a single, it was totally a single. He just decided yeah. he was going to take two because he saw like, he's so perceptive and he, I'm sure he picked up on the outfielder just slightly mm -hmm. taking it easy. And he was he's like, so All smart. Right, I can get this. yeah, so smart. So smart. Anyway, you can continue. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what, what the kids look like this year. Um, I'm excited to see if, any of the guys we've had for a while can actually play, you know, a guy like seeing a guy like Owen Miller kind of play uh, and do and do okay so far. I'm, you know, I'm happy for a guy like him too. Hopefully it continues. Um, and really with Jose with us for the foreseeable future, you know, I'm excited to see if the team builds around him with, you know, the young guys we've got coming up. So I feel like I feel like we're set up pretty well uh, for 2023, 2024. Um, this year's kind of a transition year. I mean, if we make a run or something along those lines, great. You know, I'm not expecting it. Uh, this is the first year probably where I'm not where I'm not expecting us to contend. Um, but uh, all the same, you know, I'm <laughs> I I am getting. Um, I am starting to get into the territory where you, like you want, you start wondering if, if, if I'll ever see it, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I'm probably, you know, with life expectancy, I'm on the starting the back nine now. So you're like, I haven't seen it yet. I've seen Cleveland now. Thanks. Thanks to uh, the greatness of LeBron James, but um you know, and I have fans and I'm a fan of other teams as well. If you follow me, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, you've probably seen that, but like Cleveland, I've never seen, I've never seen the uh, guardians. Um, I've never seen the Cleveland baseball team do it. I'd like to see that before, you know, I get much older. Um, so I feel like we're set up pretty well uh, for the rest of the 2020s after this year. I agree. I think you've done a great job summarizing where they're at. Well, if folks want to follow you on Twitter, Greg, how can they do that? Or what do you want to let folks know about? Oh, uh, well, Twitter-wise, uh, it's it's spelled Greg, as in I-T-S spelled, and then uh, G-R-A-I-G. Um, so that's so that's where it was. It used to be just my name, which is Greg Fravel, uh, but I, I had to start over with Twitter, and therefore I only have like you know, I went from 200 followers to like 30. So uh, it's one of those uh, things where I'm like, whenever someone chooses to follow me, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and nice. I came yeah, to Yeah, well, I'll, I'll certainly put that out with the link of the episode too. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you right. so much for coming on with me and really appreciate those um, memories. I know people that listen will really appreciate it too. And, and we always get some good responses of people saying, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember this. I remember yeah. that. So hopefully yeah. they'll share those with yeah. you and follow you on Twitter. Thank you, man. 
Yep, and I've heard them myself too. So I'll be uh, looking forward to hearing the rest of the pod. This has been the Cleveland Guardians FanCast. You can find us Monday through Friday on any podcast service that you prefer. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, and download so that we can continue to produce these podcasts for your enjoyment.